This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey man, how are you? Fantastic. I was just playing with my baby and it's a beautiful autumn day. Got up early, did a little painting, and I'm in a great mood. <laughs> yeah, how are you? Yeah, yeah, not too, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, cool, nice. How are things in New York at the moment? I'm all right. Yeah, uh, people are really good at wearing masks, and people are really good at wearing masks in New York City. I'm really happy and proud of that. Um, there's obvious, there's obviously some people who aren't good at it in, in the city, but by and large, everyone's really safe and um, the vibe seems all right, <laughs> considering all things, but you know, uh, I don't know, I was talking about this with a friend recently who came over apologizing for saying like, ah, oh, things are pretty good. Feeling like there's like, that the caveat has to be made like, well, despite COVID and despite like the US like somehow teetering on like a fascist state and you know like racial inequities and police and you know like like having to it's all like so obvious and glaringly uh horrific you know that the all things considering caveat is kind of just like I don't even need to do that anymore I'm just gonna say how I am right now and things are great right now I don't know I wish the same for everybody else and and I hope that love projection will will kind of help us work through work through these like some seriously horrible things going on in the states anyways you know well uh, throughout the world I feel like even before everything kicked off with COVID it was already quite a a charged time almost in the states things were already quite heightened without a doubt yeah without a doubt and and it's and it's not new you know, like it's not new. In the last couple of years, especially with like mass shootings, that was something that was really, I mean, 
not starting to bother me, always bothered me, made me sick, it's horrific. The gun laws in the, in the United States is um, despicable. But the mass shootings were becoming commonplace and the memory for them was as short as your memory for an episode of whatever bullshit television program there was. And that was really kind of, uh, I mean, that was making me pretty sick. Events like that leading up to COVID and then COVID and then this kind of like disintegration, like the disintegrating of a lot of things around us in the United States and, and globally, it has two faces. It has like the bubbling, horrific, monstrous faces of like the now, you know, of like the horror, you know, but the kind of the rising to the surface of these multifaceted global issues and problems is um, something that uh, I think is necessary for people to maybe be a little more interested in becoming uh, in becoming aware and proactive about whatever it is the issue is that like affects them the most guns the environment racial inequity police injustice or like seemingly like a resurgence in global fascism or the mentality of you know and i understand like the correlations between capitalist society fascist states kind of the global war machine and the way that that feeds into capitalism and back and forth and all of that distilled down we really have just like you know like the overarching importance of money over humanity and i'm hoping that all of this is going to help ground some people or open up some more people's eyes to humanity and life force and love and 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 spirituality and connectedness to earth is actually kind of at the core and what needs to be regained, you know, like the relatives of indigenous cultures and indigenous cultures around the world, like they all like have like a common, uh, a common thread. And that is like the, the world seems lost and fraught and, and crumbling because there's like a, because there's a huge disconnection between uh, the spiritual human and the connectedness to earth and to be clear, that's not in the form of organized religion, but there is like a great divide now between like us as a us as a conscious entity that is capable of all of these grand imaginative and loving things, you know, um, so much ability to to create and to share and to like create a collective consciousness that affects real change but like the the lines were severed and like what is it called the chickens are coming home to roost or something like that it's not just now it's thousands of years of this like slow uh removal from our interconnectivity or our belief in one another you know and uh that's not to say that it's gone it's just that hopefully it's coming back hopefully the hopefully today's horrors are equaling you know kind of tomorrow's like grandeur and unity and and i don't know like you, you you never know what you have until it's gone only on a macroscopic scale you know rather than just like oh my girlfriend left town and i really miss her you know like geez she's really awesome you know or whatever the case may be this is kind of like a a global reckoning of you don't know what you've got until it's gone and i think like ancient peoples knew that or had a little bit more of it um and now in yeah like i said in this macroscopic scale uh with time and with with 
size, you know, like hopefully we're, we're all kind of going like, fuck man, it was really a lot better when we like trusted in nature and we trusted in intuition and trusted in, you know, spirituality and life force and, and things like that. You know? I mean, I think that's, it's really been sped up as well, that transition and that removal of ourselves from that environment over the last kind of, I don't know, maybe 50 or so years, kind of since technology has really started to take off and we're now in this internet age, it feels like it's just accelerating at a, an unprecedented rate that it hasn't before. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if it's like specific to the time that we've lived in. I mean, I think that every generation feels it's, it's technological boom or it's like the things aren't the way that they used to be and there's like a rejection and an upheaval and then there's the other people who open it or who openly accept it. Um, so, so like I feel like that's all like relative to a generation or to a time, but like I feel like just in like, you know, when you were like a five-year-old or something and your parents drove you to a friend's house in the next town over, we know now it's a 20-minute drive, but relative to your age, it feels like forever. You don't even have a comprehension of how long you were actually in the car, but it was forever. And then you finally got there and whatever you had your experience. But like the perception of time being relative to the age you're at and your your knowledge of how time passes, you know, like when you're younger, you don't have those much to latch on to to compare to. So when you're younger, everything seems longer. And when you're older, everything seems shorter. With the technology now, society is in this kind of like elderly state or this iteration of global societies are in this elderly state and everything's going quickly and we're seeing the transition from like the industrial age and the mechanical things into this like blooming um, technological age. And of course, like the, the heart of the technological age is acceleration, you know, is like how much better can we make something? And that's always at the root of technology, of course, but like this particular iteration of technology, this is not like a spear that turns into a crossbow or to a bow and arrow or something like that, which obviously takes a lot of, you know, like it took time to get there. This is like one that wants to be fast, you know, like it's relevant, relevance of how good a technology it is, is how much does this improve on the last version and how quickly did we do that? So it's just like this kind of ever spinning wheel. It's getting faster and faster. And I think like, you know, our generation or the generations that you and I are in and obviously the satellite ones around it before mine and, and, and uh, after ours and stuff like that, they're, they're really like witnessing this like extreme ramp up in a lot of things. Technology, you know, is as one example and it just seems exponentially fast and it is from our standpoint, you know, but um I, I guess going back to thinking of like uh, time in like macroscopic ways, you know, or, uh, you know, like I always love that analogy, like compared to the age of the universe, like humanity is like a little half of a second or something like that, you know, like what we're, what we're in right now is just mind boggling to us and, and it comes on so quickly. I guess I, I'm not really coming to a point. I'm just like curious, like uh, did, people in the people in like the renaissance or something when like science and religion were kind of clashing for for in a major time period like was there the same general feeling like everyone was like what the fuck is going on why does why are people not believing in the lord anymore why are people you know like 
fuck, everything is happening way too quick. This needs, this needs to stop or, you know, other people like, I need to embrace this. But like, you know, I just wonder, like, is this just part of another, like, go around the wheel or is this unique? My personal thought is it tends to, tends to seem like another revolution around the wheel, but more in like a, in like a spiraling forward sense, two steps forward, one step back. Like we've been here before, but this is a new iteration of consciousness that we've all been in before, but like just the elements are tweaked a little bit, you know, it's a computer now versus a stone tool thousands of years ago or something, you know. I think people as well would be less afraid if they realized that, if they kind of realized it was just, it's part of life and it's not unique and it is part of the cyclical thing and sort of realize their insignificance a wee bit more and just helps to put things in perspective and there can be a, a real comfort in that. Hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think so. I, I agree with that. And, and I hope there is. It's not an easy conclusion to come to. I'm going to make a huge assumption here, but the general global population doesn't spend lots of time thinking about these grander ideas, you know. I mean, that's a huge assumption, which is obviously flawed. And that is also unfair to, every, to everybody, because as a conscious entity or a human, you are a human because those questions are ever present but there's just a lot of like fuzz and there's a lot of distractions and I think many people like to take the choice of a distraction rather than like pondering these ideas or whatever I guess ultimately a shame because it's like you know one of our key attributes that I don't want to say separate well yeah okay so it separates us from other animals if you're not allowing yourself to spend time with the wise you know then it's really easy to get caught up in the distractions, money, politics, and violence, and, you know, all of the things that just don't really help progression. Although, I'll be very contradictory, not contradictory, but I'll go back and forth in this conversation. If I'm in a nice rambling mood right now, so I'll talk myself to the end of something and be like, well, you can't really have any progress without huge destruction or, or detriment or like antithetical reasoning you know yeah i'll go from like a chaotic understanding of the universe to an ordered understanding and back and forth in the course of this conversation so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. what you were what you were saying at the start of that where i think you're quite right as well that the global population as a whole maybe don't think about a lot of these things it, mm-hmm. it, at what point did you kind of realize you were in the minority in terms of just kind of wondering about pondering these things like day to day? That's an assumption. Okay, yeah. It's an assumption I'm in the minority. I think we should just put it on like a grayscale that everybody is involved in this type of thinking. But like from my standpoint, it's like most people are not at the level of like universal pondering. Uh, that's dangerous to say, not at the level. But like, doesn't it make sense that if the majority of people were invested in thinking about the history of the earth, the nature of time, like philosophical ponderings about the self versus nature or about the inner self or spirituality or like, you know, like if the majority of people were invested in that, really invested in that, we would have populations or we would have a global population that was more easily unified, you know? It, it seems to make sense to me, but it also, uh, I don't like there'd be many, maybe, you know, millions and millions and millions of people will hear this podcast 
billions of people will hear this podcast and they'll and they'll say like i disagree with you i'm uh i'm a devout i'm a buddhist i'm a i'm a muslim i'm a jew i'm a you know like okay so there's some like religions or like you know like i believe in whatever i believe in the i believe in my own energy i believe whatever whatever it is i believe in you know like in science and then to all of them that is their concerned effort to to understand themselves and humanity to assume that people aren't putting in the work i guess is like pretty dangerous i think i'm just pretty optimistic and i wish i wish that more people would just like make the straight line between like we are eternal beings we are best suited to one another when we embrace love and imagination and productivity and we nurture our environment you know like that is the equivalent of eating some nice food and exercising a little bit and reading a book making a painting listening to music, whatever like you know exercising like the creative unconscious rather than placing your your anchored beliefs on on human constructions like money or uh or status or or any of these things that are gigantic distractions from what the base of being human is you know like yeah getting confused by the things that we made you know it's like we made our own shiny object and then we're like transfixed by it and then you know like if anyone tries to take it away from us we want to kill them or something it's like you fucking made it like just put it down for a minute you know i, I don't know i was gonna say you mentioned something there like the creative unconscious when when you're creating art how much of your time is kind of spent in that headspace there's like transitional periods bigger bigger and smaller like i've done a lot of different series of works and um you know i'll, I'll make anywhere from 50 to a couple hundred paintings or sculpt sculptures that are in the same general body of work and when i transition from say a sculptural series to a painting series there's a heightened unconscious time there where it's more of like a trust and intuition and i'm kind of like walking through a door or bridging a gap or you know whatever the analogy is from from one understanding of how to work and how i'm going to think into the next and that's when i'm really like tapping into unconsciously tapping into what my brain wants to do or what my imagination wants to do and then once i'm in a series i usually like kind of like get over to the other side an example like a sculpture series to a painting series i've gone through the door now i'm working on paintings now they're mostly intuitive they're pretty rough i i believe that i i can sense a spirit in them i can sense like something in them that just uh that works for me or resonates or and then I know like, okay, I'm going to continue with this. And then, and then I continue with that specific series and um, refine it, expand it, expand my understanding of it, make it a little more concise. And then in all, in all that time, I'm, I'm understanding myself more and understanding that particular body of work. While I'm in that refining process, there's certainly moments where I let the painting or the object mutate a little bit, you know, um, I'm making, I mean, I, this current series of work is uh, these night car paintings. You can check them out on my website. Um, these are some new ones I made and there's like, these are part of a formula 
I mean, since this isn't a, a visual thing, I'll, I'll just say there's one painting that has a car driving through some steep mountain cliffs. Um, it's nighttime. Uh, the headlights are beaming straight forward and there's two crescent uh, moons, or they're just planets, but there's two crescent moon shapes uh, in the sky. They appear almost like some eyes. There's kind of like a gateway look to it, a little bit of a vaginal look to it. The, the, all th the whole thing kind of uh, resembles a face. The entire environment resembles somewhat of a face. Um, and then the, the one on the right is more of a understandable landscape in that there's two trees at night. There's a car again with its uh, headlights on and light emanating from the car. And those lights are casting big shadows into the distance. And again, there's two uh, planets. These times they, this time they resemble the planet Saturn. Um, there's two of those in the sky as well. So both of those are examples of like a format that I'll replicate over and over again and I'll change the colors and and you know the cars always they augment everything augments slightly but you have like the basic foundation for what that painting's going to look like. So those ones have small tweaks but then like within this series I'm just working on this one now so this one is like, you know, kind of a mutation of the formula. This one is kind of replicating the, the mountain scene that I described to you. Only now in the same picture plane, there are three sets of mountains all next to each other. I mean, if, if the one car coming in between the mountains is, is a single reality or a single environment, now I've taken three of them and put them in the same picture plane. So they're all existing together. They're all identical in form in that there's a road going through some mountains and two planets in the sky, but there's three of them in the same picture plane. So, so this is kind of what I'm talking about with like a mutation within a series that I've already defined the boundaries of. That's how I'll, I'll expand any series. So, so I'll keep, keep working on that one. I'll probably make a number of those. I'll work a series until I end up kind of just stumbling onto the next one. These are on shaped uh, canvases. They're, they're masonite boards with canvas stretched around them. And the boards are hand cut with a jigsaw. So they have this really warbly, uneven, almost like hand-drawn perimeter to them. And those are the result of a previous series of paintings. I could go on and on about where that came from in the previous one, but there's kind of always this like transition from, from one set to the next. And then, you know, like a mutation in one will lead to the next series and then that series will be defined and then expanded. And then there'll be a mutation towards the end of that series and we'll go into the next one. And I found that that's been the best way for me to work over the over the years and for me to feel like I'm progressing and I'm not just painting the same thing over and over again, you know. This is a really fascinating exhibition as well because you had the physical exhibition itself, you know, with the paintings display, but then you've also got a book from it and you did mixtapes and stuff as well for it. Oh yeah. You're kind of expanding all these mediums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, years ago I used to like make, I mean, I've done like lots of fun stuff. I, I used to make t-shirts and patches and zines and um, I got into miniatures. I made, um, for a while, I was making miniature hamburgers. I was taking corn kernels and carving them to resemble a hamburger shape and then painting them like a hamburger and selling them online because I wanted to see how much money I could make selling 
corn kernels to people. And it was, a, it was kind of in more of my cynical days, but like people would buy, I would sell them for 10 bucks a piece. I mean, they were cute. They looked exactly like a miniature hamburger. I put them on a little fake piece of like, you know, like looked like crumpled up greasy wrapping paper and stuff. Put it in a little ring box with some blue velvet, uh, not blue velvet, some blue felt, you know, it looked really cute. And uh, send it to people on the inside of the lid. It said, um, you've made another great choice or something. You made another great decision. I thought I was being funny, but then afterwards I was like, that's kind of like an asshole thing to say, you know, like basically telling someone you'd tricked them out of 10 bucks so they could buy a piece of corn, you know, or something. Yeah, so the, so the, the book and the tapes, I feel like those came from like feelings like long ago or like things I've already done. Like I do like making like kind of usable objects, you know, like paintings and sculptures are largely unusable in a practical sense. They're a lot more uh, abstract figuratively and literally sometimes, of course, but the tape is something that you can listen to. And then obviously, you know, like the music can generate feelings and the music isn't mine, you know, and the, uh, the book as well. It's like, uh, and, and the, the book, uh, it reads mostly like a children's book. There one sentence each page very simple to follow with a picture that is a pretty clear description of what what you're seeing it's also quite poetic so so in that sense the book the tape i like to lend the abstractness of a of a painting or a sculpture to something that has like a a tangible purpose you know and the mixtapes were just like my friend sean sean carpenter he's just a really good friend and he's made mixtapes for years he used to be a dj years and years ago like like 15 years ago he was djing a lot of like soft rock in los angeles just around at some bars and stuff like that and he's always been a big fan a uh, big fan of of metal heavy metal and what a lot of people refer to as yacht rock but we're kind of not really into that phrase but that's one of those geeky music things it's like oh, it's so popular so now i hate it or something but but yeah like kind of like some smooth jams you know so he was making he was having dj sets and making these tapes for his friends one way or another just in conversation with him they're like oh we should make a night car tape uh, night car is the name of the series of paintings which i was just describing and uh so it's like cool i'll i'll make all the covers and we made the mix together. He has a large vinyl collection, so he's pretty adamant about recording it from his vinyl collection onto the, onto the, um, oh geez, hang on a second. Hang on just a second. Hello? Okay, quick sidebar. We we just had a baby, and this uh, and as a nice gift, my mom got us this thing. Like, gave us like some money for Instacart, which is basically someone goes grocery shopping for you, which is like it's fine. But like, we have a grocery store across the street from us, but it's this nice gift. And uh, so we did it. It, it couldn't be the more, like more infuriating thing. I could have done like 10,000 loads of groceries in the time it took for all this to happen. And then like, oh, we're going to replace this with that. So like, if you like this certain kind of cheese and they're out of it, they're like, well, we'll just pick one for you. And they sent you texts. It's like fucking infuriating. And so now they're just at the door like a day later and they have it. And, uh, and so that's, that's what just happened. My groceries, the groceries are here. 
Okay, but the, the night car tapes just came about organically. We decided to make a mix. He records from, he records from his vinyl collection. We kind of went back and forth for a few months, like what's going to go on this mix. It's, it's partially about like what could be playing on the tape deck inside this car, this mysterious car who's kind of transferring through realities at night, but also in the vein of like some smooth jams, you know, some kind of some like ethereal stuff, kind of some like 80s stuff. We just, we had a lot of fun with it. I've done two iterations of it now. The first one I just kind of sold through Instagram, you know, made a couple hundred bucks. I sent a bunch to him to get ice cream for his kid. And then I, I kept some to I don't get ice cream for me, I suppose. But this iteration I, I sold for uh, for charity for a, an organization that helps uh, ex-felons get the right to vote uh, in Florida, which is a, a really important state in the United States. It's kind of on the line between voting for Trump or Biden, and they have these laws. Technically, if you're a, if you're a felon who's done your time, uh, you have the right to vote uh, a certain, the Republican part of the government and made it so they technically couldn't until they paid off every fee they have related to their jail sentence. And so oftentimes when you're a felon, you're unemployable or very hard to employ or at least make the kind of money where you have any chance to pay off these fines. And so there's an organization that raised a lot of money to pay off the fines for many thousands of felons uh, down there to give them the right to vote again. There are some headlines in the States about it. It's really kind of like you got to go for what you can because there's no, you could pay off the debts of some felon who's just like, yeah, I love Trump. I love fascism. I love, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a fucking Nazi. And now I can fucking express myself through this guy. And I had this deb and, you know, like, that's always a risk, but there's certain projections and statistics that, you know, kind of led this organizations and others to believe like if enough money gets dumped into this, they'll free up enough votes to just at least help make it possible for that state to vote in a democratic way that would help um, unseat, unseat um, Trump. So this tape, I raised a little bit of money for that. The track list is fun. Since you're into music, you might be interested to know what's on it. Yeah. So side A, Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider, Sniffin' the Tears, Driver's Seat, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, I Love the Night. That song is just like, I fucking love that song so much. Yeah, yeah. I did an animation to it. I like slowed it down like 70% and made this animation of a car being eaten by the night over and over again and just played it. Oh, I saw that on your Instagram, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The day's okay and the sun can be fun, <laughs> but I live to see those days slip away did i repeat days i don't know uh, uh ulti- you got it. yeah thanks um <laughs> uh ultimate spinach the hip death goddess um talk talk mirror man uh, pink floyd obscured by the clouds uh parliament the placebo syndrome pablo moses in the future this is a record i found a long time ago just in the store i was like oh, there's this like dub reggae dude on the cover but he's standing next to all of these like synth boards and i was like fuck and it's called in the future and i was like ah this seems like a what the fuck's going on with this and sure enough like that record pablo moses in the future 
pick it up dude it's just like he i'll check it out yeah the title track in the future it's just you know it's like pretty straight up it's kind of like it's got a dub vibe but also like kind of a gregory isaacs thing like it's kind of like lover boy style but then like the chorus is with like a synth modulated voice like robot voice like in the future you know like a like a janky 80s robot is talking to you sweet super sweet um and then uh, arthur russell this is how we talk to the moon B-52's Planet, uh, Planet Claire, Tangerine Dream, White Clouds, uh, Astral Voyager, uh, Solid Space, uh, 18th Planet, Missing Persons, Destination Unknown, and the Walker Brothers, Night Flights. So it's kind of like, a, it's kind of a nice weirdo kind of 80s space vibe mix. You know? Does music ever play a role in your creativity as well? Can it ever affect what you make? Absolutely, yes. I, I think that that's not specific to artists. I think that beyond three-dimensional art or two-dimensional art, the ultimate is really like music as far as like the universal channel to creativity and inspiration and for lack of a better word, like the vibe, you know? Like if whatever genre you're into, the result is the same. Like, you know what you like, you know? You know what you like and you know the way that it makes you feel and you'll go back to it like your favorite food or like your favorite memory. And oftentimes, you know, like food being, food and smell being linked to memory. Music, I feel, is even deeper. Like, I think music is by and large the, um, the ultimate inspiration. Uh, for me, it's, it's absolutely essential most of the time i was a pretty avid uh cd collector my whole life i bought my first cd before i had a cd player i was kind of obsessed with them as just an object i was collecting hundreds of cds and then you know it was cooler to get vinyl and then i was like fuck that's not my generation dude like i've already invested like into hundreds of cds i'm collecting fucking cds fuck records you know and then i ended up working at a skate shop slash record shop so I ended up getting into vinyl and buying some vinyl. So got a few hundred vinyl, but like a couple of thousand CDs. And, and uh, so collecting was a really big part of what I was into, kind of the way that collection bifurcates and you find one thing and it leads to 10 more things. I was just like, oh, that's so awesome. And I did that, you know, from the age of 12 to probably the age of 34 or something. I'm 37 now. Music was always, always, always had to be on in the studio and, and the things that you learn from it, like the kind of the esoteric minutia of who did what and why and when and where is a really interesting aspect to it. Um, and I got into that a little bit, but I was mostly just kind of like a sound and a feel guy. If I liked it, I did. I didn't really give a shit who produced it or where it came from or whatever. I kind of got to a saturation point with collecting I think early on, I was like, well, if I have all the CDs and records, then I have this endless mix that I can always just curate myself. And I got really fucking tired of that. And I was like, I don't want to choose a, a record to listen to or a CD to listen to. I met my now uh, girlfriend and baby's mama, uh, Margot Bird. I met her a couple of years ago and she um, told me about NTS, the radio station. Definite plug for NTS if they're sending out free tote bags and sweatshirts i haven't fucking like i haven't i barely put on a record in the last like two years it's just such an endless pit and like the quality is so high that i just find my djs i find my episodes i put them on and like i feel like there's no love lost 
in the in the collection aspect or in like the appreciation aspect and i prefer it more to just uh to just like rely on the the taste of others and just find what find what vibe i like and then just put it on and have a mixture too i really like that i used to be like a front to back kind of guy like okay i'm going to listen to this album today from beginning to end and that's the true way you know this really like fucking boring way of listening to music you know and so the variety and the mix up when i listen to this radio station is like it's it's essential so that's that's kind of that's where i'm at with music and to answer your question, it is vastly inspiring, you know. And there are times, you know, like when I've like either danced in the studio and that's helped me kind of with a happy accident that gets me into a progression in a painting or a sculpture, or um, or it's like that intent intangible vibe that just puts you in the right mood to where you have the confidence to to paint something the right way or to build something the right way. And so yeah, music is, is essential, I think. When when you're painting portraits as well, you've done. You know, I know you've done a few series of them. Are there certain features of the face which you feel are kind of particularly important that kind of stand out to you when you start to construct a portrait? I think eyes are always essential. Eyes eyes have to be there. But it's weird. Every time I've gone back to that series of portraits, um, it's always when I need a break from a formula. So with the Tell Me Again series, it was just, it was very specific. There was a process, there was a concept. It was all very like, it had parameters, you know, and uh, that became very tiresome. So I can always go back to the portraiture for just like total uh, freedom in a sense. And to answer your question, um, it's, yeah, it's mostly like you need kind of like a few reference points. I think the eyes are essential outside of that. You know, it's nice to have a mouth, I guess. Um, I don't think there's anyone that I latch on to other than the eyes. It's funny, like for as many as I do, like I always wish that I was better at like like a, a nice like three quarter or like maybe just like tilted. Like I wish... I wish I was better at intentionally getting a little more movement in the head, but I always just seem to do this like straight on idea of the face, which is uh, vaguely symmetrical, has two eyes. And then if you can see a mouth, nose and ears somewhere, then good for you. And I think the hair, actually, I'd say the eyes and the hair are always like the funnest part and always like they're the really great indicators but but those portraits they're really amalgams some of them are like i i kind of may uh, like i do like a mono printing process where i'm squeezing paint through some muslin and then maybe i'll leave it alone and then a year later i'll come back and paint on it or maybe i'll collage on it or cut it up and like include it in something else and that concept is just you know in tandem with like the the idea of the face and and all our faces and and just the overarching concept of everything being simultaneously the same and different recognizable and unrecognizable the realities that we all experience are are based on really basic building blocks and then our imagination kind of takes control and uh fills in the blanks you know like that's how our brains give us this congruent experience that we walk through every day and that we have relationships with that you know like it's not actually processing all of this light I mean, it is processing all of the light, but like recognizing the door and the 
carpet and your friend and the tree and, and all of that stuff is like, it's based on repetition and familiarity and, and like the general parameters of knowing what a thing should look like. Therefore you're able to like, your, your brain is really able to just like zap it in like unbelievably detailed way, unbelievably beautiful way. Everything that you look around you is really just kind of this like continuum of details being filled in by your brain and imagination and so in in the same way that's kind of part of what those portraits are that that you need some basic elements and then the rest is just constantly augmenting like you know like your face that i see here in the computer isn't entirely unique but also i could i could name 10 people that you kind of look like and but it doesn't take away your individuality it doesn't take away who you are and should never be meant as an insult but it should actually be seen as a bolstering of your connection with everybody else it would be funny like to write a list of five or ten people that you kind of look like that are that you remind me of and then put those names together and like that's who you like that's you you're the you're the Rijo Sarah Colin John I don't know just like put a bunch of put a bunch of names together and they, you're an amalgam and I'm an amalgam and we're all kind of experiencing this ever-changing yet ever the same amalgam like I think everything that I do, the portraits, the painting series, like the way that I travel in between them, the way that I interact with other people in my environment, it's it's all part of this, like, it's all part of kind of like a, a continuum, you know, or a chaotic continuum that the longer you experience the chaos, the more you find patterns in it that inconsistency rep repeated over and over again is consistency you know is a pattern you know like beautiful paradoxes like that are ever present they're endowed into every single thing that you see and do and 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 wonder about and that's like so gorgeous to me you know everything has like a really complicated history but they're also like really simple you know everybody is very complicated everybody is very emotional and beautiful they're all very simple they're all the same we're not unique we're part of a, a greater thing but nobody knows what it is it's fucking cool man <laughs> <laughs> the thing i love about your portraits as well though like what you were saying about the individuality of people although i don't mm -hmm. know any of those people you mm -hmm. almost feel like the personality of them is seeping into the image itself and that's where they kind of differ from you know we live in a world where everyone's got a camera in their hand that's where paintings can kind of excel is that they can incorporate another edge that we can't otherwise see into them yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and it's actually yeah that's a good point it's it's really nice to like say like i mean I, I made that statement like oh you look like some people that i know or i could think of some people like that you know but but like to see an image maybe that is you know like i don't know your character your personality you seem very warm to me just right now you know your smile your face and and your your ability to conversate so so i think that's like a really that's a great point and that's a good connection that like if you recognize uh, a warmth or a sincerity in a painting if that's just the emotion that you feel in it and see in it and say oh that reminds me of alex or alex would love this painting why would he love this oh well because he's kind of like that painting you know that's like a cool jump between like a a tangible core relation between you and someone I know uh, with a name and whatever and you guys look vaguely similar 
that's a that's a really powerful connection that a feeling or or a feeling or like a an abstract vagueness to a painting can be actually highly specified to like a real life person that you know or maybe even or or the recognition of a feeling is also like a special connection so so yeah yeah i mean that's that's a really great point you know that the paintings paintings do and always will have that power people grumble you know jaded people grumble about their paintings irrelevance or that you know like there's nowhere to go with it or something and I don't know. I think that that's, uh, I think that that's horrible. You know, there's true infinity inside everybody, like specifically with imagination, there's true infinity there. And paintings are one of the, one of the doorways to it, just as well as music, you know, is, is like a true door to infinity. You may have heard it before, but you've never heard it before, you know. Like um, the record that Cheap Teeth did and the, the music that they shared with me. I had heard it before, but I hadn't, you know, and it was great. And I lo- like, I, like, I think what like got me psyched about lending my work to their album is like, I saw some people just in love with the energy and in love with sharing the energy especially when I saw little clips of their life or their lives, they'd hit like some stride. And then it's, I, I've been to many shows, many music shows. And I know when that moment, when that moment hits and just everyone fucking explodes. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's so like, it's, it's life affirming. It's exciting. It's very, it's all about like love and, and unity. And like, you know, I'd see it like in, in some of those live performances they did. And I was like, fuck, cool. You know, like, I can't say I've ever heard their music before. I could liken it to other music, but that's not what I'm into anymore. I'm not saying like, oh, it's good, but they're basically just redoing what this other person did. It's like, fuck, man, like, get on board with Infinity. Realize this is another iteration. There's differences. There's similarities. Do they have energy? Do they bring love? Do they get people like, do they transfer it into other people? And if they do, and if anyone does that, even mildly successfully, good for you. You're fucking, you're great. You're, you're helping, you're helping connect people and you're helping bring people together. And it seems like they do it on like a really, on a really strong level. Yeah, it was some video, uh, some video of like, a, I don't know where it was, live somewhere in, in Scotland or UK or whatever. I don't know if the song is called Ageless, is it? Yeah, that's the one, Ageless Half the Devil, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one seems like, you know, like there's a number of bands and, uh, you know, I could be wrong because like I, like I haven't like studied their music. I've listened to the music that they've sent me and I'm like, cool, right on, I'm down. Um, but uh, that seems to be one that like, however far they progress in their career, once live shows are a reality again, or even even if they're not, you know, like that will be or will continue to be like one that most likely will show up on the set list because it seems like the crowd just like they know when it's about to fucking change and like then it fucking changes and that chorus hits and then everyone's just like, I just got a full drink, but I don't care. And I'll fucking throw it in the air and I'll just go hug someone, you know, like that kind of energy is so fucking beautiful and for that reason that band and and other bands any any band that gets that going you know like please please do more you know that's great and that's more important than ever now as well in the specific moment that we're in in time 
where there's a real need for togetherness. Absolutely. And, and it, fuck man, it's challenging and it's very good. It's essential to be challenged. Everything is just like, well, instead of having the art show, we're going to have an interactive zoom or instead of having the live thing, we're going to have an interactive zoom meeting or, you know, instead of this, we're going to have, and no offense to us doing this via zoom. If it weren't zoom, we would have had a phone call. I doubt either of us would have flown to another country to do a, <laughs> to do a podcast interview. I mean, unless, unless we were both extremely wealthy and had nothing else to do to fuel that togetherness, you know, and to, to promote that togetherness. I can, I can say like, even like that clip I was talking about of when, you know, the, the, um, the crowd, you know, explodes at, at their show just watching that in quarantine is like, fuck, I know what that feels like, you know? And, and like, and you'll get it again someday. I'll get it again. You'll get it again someday. They'll get it again. Everyone will get it again someday. But sometimes it's like, it'll have to be good enough to just like know what that feels like. And even, you know, for like a kid who's like 12 years old or something, who's getting into rock and roll or to whatever, not just rock and roll, who's getting into the music that they like, that gets them, juiced up to see like a live performance by a band that they're looking at or they're excited about like what is that like how the fuck did everybody know to just like go bonkers at the same time like that kind of um intrigue you know that kind of like mystery or whatever i think is still can be like can be powerful right now kind of gets them primed gets new music listeners like really primed young young kids like who just like want to know what it's like to go to a live venue because there is a huge many thousands of kids right now who are almost looking at like performances of shows like shit what the fuck is that and that's called like a concert or that's called a show or that's like a that's a basement and that's where everyone's going ape shit together listening to some music you know and they don't have a frame of reference for Oh, that's weird. You're not allowed to do that. You know, well, yes, you were and you will be. So get ready because if you're really interested in music and you want to get that, just give it time. You will be. And it's like, you know, like they're fucking revving their engines. Those kids are revving their engines. And then once it comes back again, once we're allowed to be together again, you just put them down and they're going to fucking like zoom, dude. Like it's going to be really exciting. Imagine like what it'll be like for, for that show, like their first show back or any band that you're just like, you love to go see first show back. They're going to fucking hit the first chord on their guitar and everyone's going to just melt into oblivion and just be like, fuck dude, give me more acid. Give me another fucking drink or give me nothing at all. Just give me that fucking music. It's, it's kind of, it kind of, you know, maybe goes back to the beginning of, of like, uh, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Then when it comes back, you just like, you love it even more. So that's what I hope for for that band and for every every other band every other musician artist everyone who who feels love and wants to share it you know yeah yeah for sure i mean we've said a few times that we kind of spoke at the start and then again there about the the sense of not knowing what we've got until it's gone Mm -hmm. in that way what would you say you're most grateful for at the moment kind of in life Oh, oh that's easy my son i am most grateful for my son he is fucking fantastic Margot Bird, she's she's my girlfriend. She's also a phenomenal painter, the absolute love of my life. We met in a laundromat uh, two years ago, and um, I've been in a number of relationships, some of them lasting many, many years. I think I had one that was about 
seven or eight years. So I've had the feelings of like thinking I'm in love before. And maybe it was at the time at a certain version. Uh, with Margot, it's like absolute true love. It's kind of mind melting, mind bending kind of unity. And uh, we ended up having a child together, both of which we were a little bit afraid of only because we're both active uh, artists with, uh, with careers in New York City and, and trying to build them into, into bigger and better ones all the time. And that requires a lot of studio time. And uh, so we were very nervous about how to pull that off with a kid. But if you're going to have a kid with anyone, make sure it's someone that you are like completely congruent with, that you're in love with, that you communicate really well with. And uh, that's what I have in Margot. And so like since... You know, I got to be with her because of the COVID lockdown. I got to be with her for two thirds of her pregnancy. So there's a lot of bonding there. And then um, of course for the birth and I'm now on paternity leave and I get to be with her, uh, you know, for two and a half months and with the son, with my son. And um, I'm so fucking thankful for it. And all of the studio time I've had since, since the onset of COVID, oddly enough, I've had the most successful studio year of my life so far. And it seems to continue to build. I'm so thankful for my time to make art. It's like an absolute privilege to be able to get time to make art, regardless of having a child before my child and during whatever. The, the ability to, to have time to make art is a true privilege. And I know that many people don't get that privilege, although one could argue you can, you can make it happen in a lot of ways, but not everybody is as fortunate. So I'm extremely grateful that I get to spend time in my studio and additionally to that that I get to uh that I get to enjoy like my son also continue to make work you know so I'd say those are the things that I'm personally most grateful for Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 